And we're going to continue in a message, kind of a second part of what we preach from this morning. If you have your copy of God's Word, if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 17 through 21 this uh, tonight, Lord willing, as we pick back up here on what Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and if you're able to stand, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word tonight? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. And here the Bible says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the reading of your word tonight. Thank you for your good spirit we can feel here tonight. Lord, may we not run you away. God, may we just be willing and vessels tonight, Lord, and, and just step out, speak out, Lord, whatever you want us to do tonight to worship you and to praise you. Help us in this message. Keep me out of the flesh and in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Well, this morning, as I mentioned, if you weren't here, I believe probably everybody was here this morning, but we preached on those first few verses there in, what was it, 17 and 18, where we uh, read from, and we look, kind of looked at the whole chapter, and we talked about the foolishness of the cross, and the preaching of the gospel of, the, of, of Christ is what that means, really. It's the, it's the whole story of Jesus is all wrapped up in the cross, the cross, the cross, that's where it's all about. And uh, the world, as we mentioned this morning, sees that message, sees the cross as nothing but foolishness whenever it's mentioned. Uh, if you ever, if you read articles online from the newspapers or websites and you see all the commenters, and I can't stand those things, uh, everybody comes out from under rocks to comment on everything, especially if it has anything to do with religion or the church or anything like that. And you will read some of the most horrendous things in those comments from some of the most awful, God-awful people uh, to walk the face of this earth. They hate the Lord, and they're very vocal about it. Uh, they'll call our Lord Jesus names on those comments and terrible, horrible things that they refer to Him as. And it literally makes me sick to know that there's people that hate the Lord that much, knowing what He did for them. <laughs> Uh, one day they will stand before a righteous judge. They will answer for that. But here as we pick up in this message, uh, Paul, still the human penman, inspired by God. Everything in the Bible is inspired by God. Men didn't just make this up on a whim or fancy. God spoke to them. He breathed into them, and they wrote these words out. And so Paul is the human penman. He even says so. He addresses it to, as he was the writer. And he's addressing these divisions that the church is having there at Corinth. And as we talked about this morning, I'm not going to re-preach this morning's message, but I do want you to remember that they were having divisions because of their elitism, because of their uh, quarreling amongst themselves about who was preached or who was preaching when they were saved or who, who they got baptized under. 
uh, they, they were calling off names. They wanted to look better than the, the next guy over here. You know, well, the guy that baptized me was Paul, and well, I was baptized by Peter, and such and so forth. And so Paul is having to deal with this elitism that has infiltrated the church because they brought all their baggage from the world and drug it over into the church where it don't belong. And so Paul is trying to rid that place of worldly, uh, I guess, worldliness is uh, for no for a better lack of term there. But our focus tonight is centered around verse 21, really, and the foolishness of preaching. Uh, if you'll turn quickly back to the, the, the chapter or the book before this in Romans chapter 10, I want to look at something there before we continue. And by the way, my wife informed me this morning at the end of the message, I told you Romans and it was first Corinthians. I apologize for giving you the wrong book in that. But, uh, Romans is where I want you to look at right now, chapter 10 and verses 13 through 17. This kind of puts it into context of what we're talking about tonight. Romans 10 and 13, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It has always been God's pattern to introduce himself, to introduce his son Jesus, to introduce the gospel to mankind through uh, his preached word. It, it's always been that way. God has always used men to reach men with the gospel. That's the way he does it. Uh, over in Second Peter verses four and Second uh, Peter chapter two verses four and five, we see the first preacher that the Bible mentions in the Old Testament. Actually, is Noah. Noah's the first preacher that's mentioned in the Old Testament. It says in Second Peter two four and five, for if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person. Here it is, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Now, we are not given any of the words of Noah's sermons. We don't know if he stood there and delivered a message every day. But we do know through his very life, the hundred years that he was out there building an ark, a boat out in the middle of dry land where it had never rained. Nobody had even seen rain. Nobody even knew what rain was. And there was Noah standing there every day preaching that God is coming, that time is coming. You must must follow the Lord, turn from your wicked ways and turn to God. And so every day, here he is for a hundred years preaching righteousness. And of course it fell on their deaf ears and they all perished except for Noah and his family. And so he is the first preacher mentioned. And his message was righteousness, the preacher of righteousness. That's essentially the same thing we preach today as preachers do in the New Testament is we're preaching the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ and how we can be made righteous through him. So the subject tonight is the foolishness of preaching. 
Now, when the Bible talks about foolishness of preaching, it, it doesn't mean a bunch of foolish preachers. What it means is the same as it meant this morning, according to the world, it's foolish. According to the world, preachers are very, very foolish. I remember back in the day when I grew up, of course, I was born in 1966, and I, I, the better part of my memory is in the 70s. And I grew up, my grandfather, preacher Ed Spencer, he was a big-time pastor. And, of course, my uncle Adriel Hall, he, he was a pastor here at one time. And I grew up under these men, and following them around, uh, being part of their family, I got to go places with them. And I can remember how these men were treated by, by people in that day. I mean, they walked in a room, people took attention. If men were telling jokes and stuff, they stopped. They said, there's preacher Spencer. There's preacher Hall. And they quit all of all their wickedness or anything they were doing, and they paid those men respect because they earned that respect. They stood and preached God's Word, and people respected that. Nowadays, it doesn't matter if you get up and preach God's Word. People don't respect a preacher. Now, a lot of that is the fault of a lot of, of fallen preachers and pastors these days, a lot of sin that's, uh, that's came in and it's been made public, and a lot of people seen that. Of course, this gave preachers a black eye. But the, the way that humanity has fallen, the way humanity and culture has slipped down the slippery slope toward hell, we see that there are, there's no respect for preachers. There's no respect for the church. Uh, people, no doubt, do the same thing here as they did at my former church. They probably hang out in the parking lot and drink and do drugs and, and have uh, relationships in their cars and everything else. I used to live right by the church that I pastored in the parsonage, and I, almost every night I was having to go and run people out of the parking lot. They would they would tear down the the gates and go behind the church and do all manner of things. And uh, I can't even tell you the number of people that I've ran off down there doing wicked things on the church property. Uh, my wife and I stopped, and there was a couple in a car, and boy, they were just uh, I can't even say what they were doing. But uh, I knocked on the window and I said, hey, uh, y'all need to leave. And the girl looks up and says, this is a church. And I said, that's right, it's a church. You need to get out of here. <laughs> and uh, I tell you, people just don't have respect for God's house or anything to do with the Lord these days. But here we're talking about the foolishness of preaching. What the world sees what I'm doing right now. The, the world looks in on Facebook Live or, or on Sermon Audio or wherever this message may uh, meet somebody's ears or eyes and they see me and the world, the lost world, is going to say, that man is nothing but foolish. Standing up there, blabbering around like this. But regardless of how the world looks or views preachers or, or preaching, it's still the method God uses to reach people with the gospel. And uh, He reveals His Son Jesus through the preached Word of God. Uh, the word preach actually means to herald or to proclaim publicly. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm heralding, heralding the gospel. And uh, if anybody knew how to herald the gospel, it was the Apostle Paul. One of the greatest preachers to ever walk the face of this earth. And everywhere that he went, of course, there was contention. There was strife. Paul caused a lot of problems for a lot of people. When uh, he brought the gospel into, into a wicked city, things began happening. Uh, both good and bad things uh, would occur. And so he would disrupt everywhere he went. Before Paul went to this place in Corinth, he had just left that place called Athens. Now, we talked about it this morning. He'd been over in Athens, and he'd been preaching to that city that had been wholly given over to idolatry, where they had a, 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 idols put up to all these un, gods and even an unknown god. 
Uh, we saw that in Acts chapter 18. We read it this morning. And when he preached, they called him a babbler. And uh, they thought his message was foolish. Everywhere Paul went, he was thought to be a foolish man, either by the, the natives that lived there or the Jews that that should have understood the truth that Paul was preaching, but yet rejected it. They thought he was foolish. And so he did not speak like these philosophers did. He wasn't, he didn't come with eloquence of speech and try to, try to amaze them with all of his abilities and all that. He wasn't an excellent oral speaker. And, uh, he, he instead, he just preached a straightforward, in your face, uh, simple gospel. Just told the truth. And many times, like all these New Testament preachers did, they would have to take folks back to the Old Testament and walk them through it to point them to Christ. That's what Paul did. As his manner was, he entered the synagogues. That's what the Bible says. So he would go in the synagogue where the Jews were there congregated, and he would start going to the Old Testament, and he'd say, okay, now you remember what happened here with David, and you remember what happened with this. And then eventually he gets to, well, this is Jesus whom you crucified. It's what Peter told him there on the day of Pentecost. Jesus whom you crucified. And, of course, they were pricked in their heart because they understood then the truth. But there were only a handful of folks there in Athens who actually believed the gospel. We don't see much success at all in Athens from Paul. Uh, when Paul left there, it was most people would say that was a failed mission trip. Uh, no doubt Paul was probably feeling you know, pretty low about everything. Uh, he'd been you know, made fun of, called a babbler, uh, refused to be listened to. Just couldn't get the message out there very well. And he leaves there, in a, goes on a ship, and he lands in Corinth, a place much like Athens, but only a little more understanding and, and uh, accepting. And so most people in Paul's shoes would have said, you know what, that really failed. I need to approach the gospel differently. I need to make the gospel more pleasing to people to hear. Now, what happens when you get into this kind of mentality or thought is you see all this garbage that's going on today, uh, trying to entice people to listen to you preach by offering the world to get them in. If you offer the world the world to come into the church, you'll have to continue giving them the world. That's just the way it is. The church is different. The Bible says it's the pillar and ground of the truth. When people see a church building, they should know there's people in there that love the Lord. That's a different place. It's not like the nightclub I'm about to go into. That place right there is a sacred place. It should stand out in this world. It should be different. Christians should be the same way. If, if we had a lineup and you were standing there with all these guys that's out there on the street as we pulled in, as they's all walking there to go to wherever they're going, I don't know where they're going. There's all kinds of people going out there. They, I don't know if they're drinking, they're eating, what they're doing. I know there's a beer house right across the road. <laughs> yeah, down here. So... Uh, listen, um, we should be different in this world and uh, people ought to take notice that we are, we are different. We're Christians. And so Paul, the thing is, Paul did not change his message at all. Despite being stoned, despite being left outside of a city for dead, despite, uh, the imprisonments, the beatings, all these things that happened to Paul, the riots everywhere he went, there was a riot. Despite that, he did not change his message to be more pleasing to those that were listening. In fact, he just got worse. He just ever he would go into a city and he would double down. He would go into a place and get stoned and walk right back in there after getting stoned. Not me. Somebody stones me. I'm not going back in there. Paul did. He turned around, got up, and went back into the city after being stoned and left for dead. Well, listen, he didn't change the, the gospel message at all. 
He just come in there and said, this is the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. He was, he was crucified, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. It was his story the whole time. And uh, he preached that way in Athens. He preached that way in Corinth. He preached that way in Galatia. He pre- preached that way in, in Philippi. You, it doesn't matter. His preaching style did not change. The message did not change. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Paul says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul wanted to make sure the message, the gospel message was so pure, was so straight from what God says. He didn't want to waver from that because if he did, if the message of the world got mixed in with the gospel, then men having faith in the man's words, in, in the world's wisdom. Paul says, no, 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 no. You can't have faith in the world's wisdom. That's going to lead you to folly. You can only have faith in the wisdom of God, what God has said. And so he preached the Christ, uh, preached Christ. He says it's the power of God. And so he lets folks know right away he's not going to change his preaching method, his style, or anything like that. And he wasn't about to go consult some expert. Do you know you got men today behind pulpits that go and they want to consult experts of church growth. You can go down, and I might have said this last time I was here, I don't remember, but Rick Warren. He, uh, they would, he, he has classes for preachers. I get those mail. I used to get those in the mail all the time. Come out to Saddleback Church and sit in this conference and pay, I don't remember what it was. It was several thousand dollars to fly out there, sit under, uh, some, uh, teaching that he had to grow your church and then go home and change your church to be like a Saddleback uh, campus or whatever, like a bunch of baloney is all that was. Uh, listen, there's people that, that fall for that hook, line, and sinker. All they're trying to do, what their desire is, is to fill up church pews. They don't care how they do it, as long as there's people in the pews and there's offering in the offering place. That's all they care about. And uh, listen, friends, that's not what church is about. That's not what the gospel of Jesus Christ is about at all. He could care less about your money. He could care less about your prestige or your power or how many people are in your pews, how big your parking lot is or anything like that. He could care less. What he wants to know is what you have personally in your heart for him. That's it. And so we focus on the gospel. He said he didn't want to know anything else other than the gospel. (laughs) He didn't want to know nothing about them. Don't even tell me about all your stuff. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. I'm going to tell you about the gospel. I don't want to get involved in all your personal little things over here. Let me tell you about Jesus. Now, at a former church I was pastoring, there was a, a lady and her husband came to visit. And uh, I walked over to them, as, as you do anybody that visits, you know, and welcome them to the church. And uh, the first thing she said, we're looking for a church to attend. And I said, well, great. And I said, what are you looking for in a church? That's the first thing I like to ask people because I want to know where they're at. And uh, she said, here's what she said. I wrote it down so I'd never forget it. She said, we are not interested in hearing anyone yell, shout, holler, or get loud while preaching. We prefer a more laid-back, mellow-type preaching. (laughs) I knew right then they would never come back. (laughs) 
<laughs> they didn't come back. Uh, but these folks wanted some eloquent type of preaching, some soft, uh, I don't know what they're looking for, a spineless jellyfish or whatever they're looking for. But uh, listen, that's, that's not real preaching. Uh, real preaching gets in your face. Real preaching will disturb you and, and catch you in your sin. Uh, I like to be preached at. I like it when my toes get stomped on. I like it when I leave the, the church feeling convicted and like I've heard something from the Lord. That's what I want to hear. Somebody gets up and say, oh, Brother Byron, you're just so good. I love you so much. And I've had people do that. Oh, I love you more than anything. Oh, you're just the greatest and all that. I don't want to hear that. I know better that. I know myself. I'm not any of that stuff. But these people, and a lot of people are like that. I would talk to, to couples that come in and, we would like to have upwards volleyball for our children, and we'd like to have you know these classes and this and all this stuff. I said, well, listen, we've got Sunday school, we've got choir, and we've got preaching. And then if you come back on Sunday night, we've got choir practice, and then we've got preaching. And if you come back on Wednesday, we've got preaching and Bible study. Amen. Oh, no, 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 we're not looking for that. They're not looking for preaching. They're not looking for Bible study. They're not looking to get in-depth of God's Word and, and to see what they can do for the church. It's what can the church do for me and my children. You know, do you have a gymnasium? You can go run around the back of the yard if you want to. But uh, hey, listen, I, as I thought about those things and the different people I would meet and talk to and all their wants and wishes and their little grocery list of things, I had one woman had a whole list of things she gave me. Of all the, and we had none of them, not a single one of them. And as I thought about that, I looked through God's Word and I said, you know what? People are not really coming to hear what I have to say. They're coming here to, to, uh, to watch a show. Uh, they're coming to be a spectator. They don't really want to get involved. And that's one of the biggest mistakes of being, uh, when you're in a church is just sitting back and watching a show. You need to be involved in the church service. Of some way, you need to be pre praying. You need to be um, uh, looking for God to do something to use you. Whatever it may, it may be, getting up and simply telling your testimony. It may be going over and just greeting a visitor or whatever it is. You should be getting involved in what the church is doing, and uh, you're going to find church a whole lot better. But I was, as I was looking at all that, I was thinking, well, what should men preach? And of course, the the straight answer is they should preach the gospel. That is the number one goal, the number one job of all preachers, all pastors, all evangelists, all missionaries, period. Yes. Nothing else even comes close to that. Everything else has to go behind that, second place, third, whatever. But preaching the gospel is the number one thing. It's not to go visit your third cousin twice removed at the hospital because she coughed and all this stuff. That's not what the preacher, that's not his main goal. That's not his job. His job is to preach the gospel. Matthew 4 and 23, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Mark 16 and 15, Jesus, right before he ascended up to heaven, he looks at his disciples and he says, Unto them go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He didn't say, Now you go find a bunch of people and visit their family members in the hospital and uh, you know do all that stuff like that. Uh, start an upwards volleyball team for the, for them to play their kids to play. No, he said to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, you can go to some places and never hear the gospel preached. I've been to church services and wonder what in the world were they even trying to do? Was it just so I could hear their funny jokes? Just to hear their homespun stories? 
listen, I, there was a, a man that came and he was this big time evangelist. And, you know, I wanted to hear him. I'd never heard him before. And boy, they really build him up. He's really something he can preach, you know, all this stuff. And so I go to listen. And, you know, for 30 minutes, he stood up there and just told stories and, and talked about himself and, I knew that man inside and out by the time we were done, but I never, I don't remember a thing he said about the, about the Bible. I don't remember a word he preached. He was only up there for 45 minutes and 30 of that. He's talking about himself. Listen, that, this is ridiculous. Uh, preaching, we're, we're, we're not here to tell whimsical stories and little jokes. I'm fine with humor and all that stuff, but there's so much garbage that goes on today under the name of preaching that is not preaching. Uh, I, I mentioned uh, preacher boys this morning. I'm going to be very careful here. I mentioned preacher boys, and I told you I was going to talk about them tonight just a little bit, and I am just a tiny bit. Uh, if you don't know what a preacher boy is, let me tell you. A preacher boy is just a young man who uh, believes he's been called by God, and he may be, uh, been called by God to preach. And he's usually in a larger church. It's usually Independent Fundamental Baptist Church, and praise God, I, that's my favorite. Uh, boy, wouldn't you hate to be in that Southern Baptist Convention mess they're in right now. Anyway, that's for another message. Uh, but anyway, it's usually a young man. He feels the, the, the call to preach, and he'll announce his call. He'll tell the pastor, and then the pastor will, will use him for, for certain things. Uh, he'll, he'll wear a nice suit, slick back his hair, put the pomade in it, you know, and uh, do everything in his power to try to do everything he can. And he waits on the preacher hand and foot. And a lot of these larger churches has numerous of these preacher boys. The problem with preacher boys is they very rarely leave their inner circle. Uh, they, they tend to get tied down at their home church and won't leave their home church or their home pastor and get out and actually preach the gospel. And so what they're setting there doing on the pew is dying and wishing and hoping that the pastor is going to give them an opportunity to get up and preach. And every now and then, maybe they will, maybe on watch night on, on you know, the New Year's. And boy, they're all ready for that. But they're rarely ever going to get an opportunity to stand behind the pulpit and actually preach the gospel. Instead, they're going to sit on the pews, on the front pews, and they'll amen the whole time. Preacher eats that up, loves it, and he doesn't encourage them to get out of here and go out in the world and preach the gospel. And so you've got a lot of churches, larger churches, that are filled full of preacher boys that don't really go around preaching. And it's a sad thing to see. I can personally tell you of about... A half a dozen men right now that have said they've been called to preach, and I, they're all going to the same church, sitting there under the same preacher, and none of them has preached in that church to this day, and they've been going there for at least four or five years, and they've never got an opportunity to preach. But yet they sit there foaming at the mouth, hoping the preacher one day is going to let them preach. I'm saying, brothers, get out there and hit the highways and hedges, and you preach! When I was called to preach, I couldn't stop preaching. I had to go. I was sitting on fence posts out in the cow pasture preaching to cows. I couldn't stop. I was in the car. I was going down the road preaching in the car. Everywhere I went, and I just couldn't stop. I'd go to anybody that would have me come. I would preach. Listen, that's what it's about. If you've been called to preach, go out there and preach. Get off the pew. Quit sitting under the same man for five years hoping he's going to give you an opportunity. Get out there and get it done. And so I hope that wasn't too awful hard on anybody. But uh, listen, I, I I can't even begin to tell you uh, some of the unbiblical things that I've heard behind uh, pulpits and things. Um, a lot of these uh, so-called preacher boys and things, they listen to the same preachers and they hear the same stories and they hear the same jokes and the same anecdotes and same lies. 
there are a lot of little lies that get passed around in some circles. Uh, I'm sure everybody's heard the little story about the shepherd breaking the leg of the sheep. Oh, the shepherd, he goes, the sheep's lost, so he gets the sheep and he breaks his leg and throws it on his shoulders. That's not in the Bible. You're not going to find that anywhere in history. You're not going to find that even done. It's ridiculous. You break a leg of a sheep, that sheep's going to set up an infection and probably die. And so they say, yeah, God chastens those that belong to him. That's what he does. The sheep breaks that leg. No, he don't. It's not in the Bible. And uh, things like... uh, Here's one. I've heard this passed around numerous times. The priest, of course, we know in the Bible, the priest, they have the bells around the bottom of their, their robes. They go in the Holy of Holies, and you can hear the bells jingling and things like that. But they've, they've, they've uh, <laughs> put a new twist on that. So what they say is the priest had a rope tied around his ankle, and when he would go back there, if they quit hearing the bells ringing, they know God struck him dead, and so they take the rope and they pull him out of the Holies of Holies so that they couldn't go back there. That's not in the Bible either. And so I have heard this story, these stories passed over and over and over. I'll go to churches and I'll go to uh, services and things and I'll hear some young man get up there and he'll be pretty sure, well, you know, when the, when the sheep, they leave the fold, the shepherds sometimes have to break their legs and put them on their shoulders and carry them around. And I'm like, brother, you heard that from somebody else that you didn't see that in the Bible. That is not true. And so there's a lot of that going on today. What we need to do is focus on what does God's word say? If it's not in there, just forget about it. Listen, our number one job as a preacher is to preach the gospel. Everything comes second after that. We're to preach repentance. Matthew 4, 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mark 6, 12, and they went out and preached that men should repent. Luke 24, 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You know, and there's a big thing today. People are afraid of the word repentance. There's people saying, well, that's a work. No, it's not. It's a gift of God. God gives you the gift of repentance. What that simply means, you've realized you're a sinner. You don't want to be a sinner. You turn from being a sinner and turn to Jesus to save you. That's repentance. And by the way, you'll continue to repent your whole Christian life. I've heard some people say, no, you won't ever have to repent again. Yes, you'll continue repenting. And He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And uh, we are to preach, of course, the Word. Mark 2 and 2, and straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Didn't preach out of a Dr. Seuss book. Do you know? I was in church service one time. A man got up to preach. He opened up a Dr. Seuss book and read the book. I don't remember anything else he preached. I really don't. So we're not to preach the world's books and things like that. Second Timothy 4.2, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Boy, it's a lot of stuff right there in, in that preaching. You know, and a lot of people say, well, Brother Byron, you just seems like you want to get stuck on just the reprove part. <laughs> no, we, we preach it all. The full counsel of God, it's all there for us. Uh, we are to preach with warning. This gospel message has a warning behind it. Listen, you hear it, you receive it, you believe it. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, that's it. Matthew 10 and 7, as you go preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven's at hand. Colossians 1 28, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. We're to preach the kingdom of God. Luke 9 and 2, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Luke 9 and 60, Jesus said unto them, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. We're to preach Jesus without ceasing. 
Acts 5 and 42, and daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Acts 8 and 5, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. We're to preach Christ and not ourselves. 2 Corinthians 4 and 5, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. You know, there comes a fine line when you start telling stories or telling something to relate to people about yourself. You get in the danger of, of them only remembering the things about you. Um, I'm always, I walk a thin line on that. It, it bothers me a lot. You can ask my wife. It bothers me sometimes when I tell, like, something from my childhood or the past and and after the service, I'll tell her, I said, I probably shouldn't even said that. That's all somebody's going to remember. I had a lady in our former church. Um, I could preach a message for, for 50 minutes, nothing but given doctrine and theology and Bible, everything from the Bible. And I could tell one thing about something that happened to me when I grew up for, for maybe a minute. And that's the only thing she hears. And we'd, she'd meet me at the door going out. I just love to hear your stories. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, I've, I've failed. Uh, when when you come and hear preach preaching, you should leave that service thinking, "Oh, what a mighty God that we serve! How mighty God is! Not boy, how great that preacher was! Boy, he could speak any. Oh man, he was good. Was God any good? That's what we need to think about. Amen. We're to preach boldly." Acts 9 and 27, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. It's talking about Paul uh, there when he got saved. And after he got saved, he immediately began preaching and he preached boldly. And he didn't ever even, even know everything at that time. He was just preaching what he knew to preach and what God gave him. But it was bold. And preachers got to get up and, and just be bold. I know a lot of preachers are so scared of some of the people in their congregation, they're afraid to say anything. Well, that family over there's got a sodomite in it. I can't say anything about those. That family over there's got this going on. I can't say anything about that. This family got something. Well, I can't say nothing about that. Well, what are you going to say then? What else you got left? You know, you don't want to offend anybody. Get up and, and just declare what God said. Look, there's at least a hundred other places in the Bible that speaks about how men are to preach and what we're to preach. But for time's sake, I'm going to stop there. The, the point I'd like to get across tonight is that God has a plan. And His plan involves people hearing preaching. The preached Word of God. That's why He gave us this Word. This inspired Word. Which I fully believe the English translation needed for man is the King James Bible, by the way. Second uh, Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. But is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. But He'll allow you to go there if that's where you want to go. But you will tread right over the shed blood of Jesus Christ to go there. Because He died for you. The design that God has for men to come to the knowledge of salvation is done through the preached Word of God. How can they hear? How can they know? How can they understand? Unless there's a preacher. Paul said this in the book of Romans. Romans 1, 15 and 16. So as much as is in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. 
For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel message is the power to save everyone. Everyone can be saved. Not just what the Bible calls the elect, but everyone, whosoever, whosoever. All right. Well, I, I thank you for your good attention today in both services. You, you guys are so easy to preach with. You really are. Um, I, I've been to some places and I walk out there and I say, I ain't never going back in there again. I think they want to kill me or something. But uh, I, I do appreciate you guys. Uh, wonderful being here at Northside. And uh, brother, if you want to come get an invitation song, I'll uh, just turn the service back over to you.